Welcome to Let's All Talk. Welcome to Let's Talk Land, a weekly land education talk show devoted to learning about land and farms, buying and selling, and ownership, especially for real estate agents and realtors. Learn from the experts, guys. This is free land education. It's hard to find out there. Hi, my name's Lou Jewell. I'm an accredited land consultant, broker owner of Land Pro Real Estate, along with my co-host, Teresa Martin. Good morning, Teresa. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. I hope you are. Oh, yeah. we got a great show today. Good. Our office is at 207 East Main Street in downtown Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. We serve all of your real estate needs in western Piedmont, North Carolina, and southern Virginia. It's not just land, guys, so give us a shout. We'll help you out. All of our shows are dedicated to the Realtors Land Institute staff and members. Our national website's www.rlyland.com. Now listen to me, guys. These are 2,000 uh, the top land brokers with land education. That's what the Realtors Land Institute provides. Our designation, which is pretty hard to get, is accredited land consultant, which I'm privileged to, to uh, have. And there are about 600 of us around the country. So if you're buying or selling, you want to go to this website first and find one of our members or hopefully an ALC in your market area because we will either save you money if you're buying or we will uh, make you money if you're selling, so www.rli.com. We'd like to thank our sponsor, LandHub.com, buying or selling land. LandHub is the place to be. And our other sponsor, AcreValue.com, if you want to know who owns the field down the road or what sold last year, the best place to go is LandAcreLand.com, and it's all free. Hey, our guest today is Todd Kittle. Welcome, Todd. Good morning. Where are you calling from? I'm calling out of central Wyoming, a little town called Casper. Isn't that a ghost? <laughs> and a friendly one. A friendly ghost, yeah, right? I've been to Casper. You've been to Casper? I have. How tall were you? I, I was tall. I was young, <laughs> but I was tall. Yeah, what was your impression? I loved it. Yeah? It was westerny. Westerny? <laughs> Well, I'm sure it is. Cowboy hats and stuff. Really? Guns and mm -hmm. things? Wow. I got to go. You got to get me out there, Todd. Let me give you a little bit of oh, Todd's background. Todd's a graduate of the University of Minnesota with a BS degree in biology and University of Wisconsin at Stephen Point graduate work in conservation genetics, which is an application to genetics to understand and reduce the reduction of population and species extension. And you were a former employee of the state of Wyoming and Wyoming and, and the Invasive Species Specialist and Game Warden. Boy, I'd like to know more about that, Todd. Todd was also the president of the Casper Board of Realtors 2018 and 19. He was president of our one of our 18 chapters in the Realtors Land Institute, the Wyoming chapter, uh, 2001, and present. And thank you for doing that. Thank you for your service. You also, your family owns the Diamond K Ranch, a family-owned ranch in Casper, it raises black Angus and Scottish Highland breed. Those are some beautiful animals. And the ranch also offers honey and prime antelope and deer country. And we'd like to know about that, too. So tell us all about what you're doing and how long you've been in real estate. And, and uh, you've got quite a distinguished background with a lot of, lot of things that are very important when you're in the land uh, brokerage business. It's good to have these backgrounds. You know, you're, uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on the show. It's, uh, I've, I've been able to listen to several of your, uh, your episodes. Uh, you've got a great group of people that come on here, so I feel kind of honored to be here to begin with. Thank you. Um, and Lou, without a doubt, um, you've got quite a history, you know, a foundation as to what makes you, you know, an ALC, and it's... Um, you know, you kind of asking me where, you know, where, uh, or introducing me, I should say, and then, you know, wanting to know more. I can't help but think, I mean, if, if I hadn't had all those experiences, I don't know that I could be uh, what I am today. Um, you know, I, when you think of the land, uh, I forget who says underneath all is the land, uh, or under all is the land, but it's so true. And, and really, everything that happens, you know, deals with land. I mean, you're standing on it um, all the time. You're you're cultivating it. You're building, you know, homes on it. 
you know, build industry. Uh, everything there, you know, you have to be kind of that uh, jack of all trades and master of none. And, um, you know, that, that background that I've got, um, it's, it served me well. Well, thank, um, thank you for your comments. And by the way, you know, the good Lord made us from the dirt. So, uh, you know, from the ground up is us. So uh, you're actually right. Everything's included. I mean, thank God for this wonderful world he gives us. And, uh, you know, I wish we would appreciate it a little bit more, but that's uh, another subject. Yeah. So, you know, I want to talk about your company. Uh, I think the uh, listening audience would like to know about uh, Remax, which is a wonderful franchise. Uh, we were part of United Country, which is the oldest, the first and oldest established franchise in the nation, I believe, founded in uh, 1928. And then uh, uh, Realty Executives came along, and then uh, Remax came along, I think, what, in 84 or something like that? I think so, yep. And, and grown yeah, international powerhouse. It is. You know, and Remax, I mean, without a doubt, very recognizable. You know, the balloon... Um, has been such a, an iconic uh, a symbol, you know, worldwide. I think it's uh, annually, I think they do a little survey of folks and asking them, you know, which of these uh, logos do you recognize? And I think Remax's balloon is, I think, like number nine um, worldwide, which is, I think, outstanding um, in terms of recognition. But all that being said, uh, you know, our office, uh, has quite the history here in Casper. Uh, they started out as a the Barnard uh, Realty Group. Uh, we were uh, this year we're 101 years old. Um, Remax, uh, you know, has been here. I think uh, only in town for just over 20 years. I think uh, they adopted basically they they took the franchise option with Remax here, uh, but it's it's done very very well. We've been the the top office for. I think as uh, as long as the office has been here, I think there's you know 20 years running, uh, we continue to be the the top office you know uh, in central Wyoming, which bodes well. But uh, the reason why I got in the business here about uh, 10 and a half years ago, 11 years ago, we had outstanding ownership, uh, coupled with uh, I don't know that we had folks, I don't know if we had anybody under 10 years you know experience in the industry. So the, the knowledge, you know, that uh, came, you know, with joining this, this group was outstanding. When you Why, say, when you uh, say I, I want to interrupt, when you say ownership, are you, a, I mean, you were offered an opportunity to be part of the owner of the company, is that correct? Oh, no. Um, what I mean is the, the ownership of, of, of our office here is outstanding. People. I, got I didn't have an opportunity you know, to buy in. And matter of fact, I don't know that I ever have an interest in doing that, uh, let alone being a managing broker. Um, but, you know, the, the owners that we had and, you know, our responsible broker, um, has, and we, they were on our second one since I've been in, you know, with this office, but right. uh, they're outstanding people. And that's, um, it's hard for you to, you know, stand your ground and be a good agent unless you have a good foundation to work from. And that's exactly what I've got with our office. What areas do you cover? So Wyoming, uh, you know, much, I, I think, uh, I, I'm not familiar with the state uh, that's any different, but, you know, when we're licensed in Wyoming, we can practice anywhere in the state. And it's not uh, too customary, I think, for a lot of folks to go outside of a maybe a 50 or 100-mile radius. And I know some folks don't leave the city limits. Um, I, on the other hand, you know, with it being, you know, a, Leastly, uh, least densely populated state in the nation. Uh, we oftentimes have uh, have to roam a lot further, you know, to to service sure. um, to service folks. And so, there's only a few places I, I don't uh, I don't care to play in in Cheyenne and the far southeastern part of the state. Uh, I try to stay away from the far southwestern side just because that's about a five five and a half hour drive, and I stay away from that Jackson Hole area. Um, just because it's it's kind of it's a creature of its own, um, and I just don't feel as though I could you know serve uh, a client as well in that location. Sure, and that's important Otherwise. to recognize that a lot of realtors don't. Uh, 
in my experience of all almost 30 years you know you, you need to you need to practice what you know and take your experience and apply it right Teresa that's right I'd agree with that so how's the market out there you know it's been wavering um, I think nationwide you know speaking with some other ALCs you know that's that's been something that you know with interest rates you know jumping up as rapidly as they have you know since uh, uh, was it March or April when that first rate increase happened? You know, things have slowly been putting the, you know, the screws down and, and uh, it's, it's slowed. But I will say this much, there was such a, a, a reserve of people that had been shopping that could not find anything uh, or were constantly being beaten down, you know, by pure cash buyers. Uh, those folks now, I think, are still having an opportunity you know, at this point, albeit diminished because the value, you know, of uh, or what they can afford ultimately, you know, the, the cost of borrowing um, has kind of set them back a little bit. But, you know, there's there's still some shoppers around. We've seen, you know, rates uh, drop here about a half a point or so over the last uh, couple of weeks. That, I think, will help a little bit. Um, but I think we, you know, we keep our chin up around here. What's, what's the average type property description of what, what you guys sell in that market? And, and excluding okay. houses and residential, I'm talking about either vacant land or, for, or ranches. Uh, what would be a typical average type? I mean, is it uh, a hundred acre plot or is it a larger plot or, or? Oh, good, good question. So maybe, I, didn't mean, uh, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> this uh, for you um, would be to kind of describe Wyoming just in general. So we don't even have, you know, 100 incorporated towns in the entire state. Um, you know, our, our, the closest town to the basically the greater Casper area is about a 20-minute drive away on an interstate at 80 miles an hour. Um, and that town's just a hand, you know, just a couple thousand people. Um, because of this, the parcel sizes are generally, as you'd expect, much, much smaller. You know, it gets down to city lots in, in town. But you get to the periphery of these towns and just a few miles outside, and you quickly jump from, you know, a 5, 10, or a 40-acre uh, size parcel to something that's now uh, 160, 320, 640s. Uh, and, you know, uh, let your mind wander sure. and imagine as much as it wants. Um, so typical properties really range in terms of, uh, or what a, a typical transaction would be, really depends on how far you you know you want to be out of town. Uh, you can't actually, or you'd be very limited in buying a 40 or an 80, uh, you know, 20 miles outside or 30 miles outside of town. It might be really difficult to actually find one of those. Uh, but if you wanted to buy a 320 or a 640 or more, that would be where we'd be shopping. Um, so it's, you know, we, and we see, you know, from our, our typical transactions, I would tell you, you know, we've got a lot of recreational buyers, uh, that continues to be kind of that, um, prevailing group, uh, that exists out there. There's, uh, there's another group that I, I would say co-mingles with the recreational side. Uh, they look at it from. Uh, kind of conjoining an investment with recreational. So they're looking, you know, at, at parcels where they can uh, enjoy it, but also still reap uh, some reward with, you know, uh, sinking, you know, a couple million dollars into a property. Um, that's, that's without a doubt a, a wise purchase this day and age. Um, I love tangible assets, you know, and land is a beautiful one that, um, I think uh, a lot of people have started to recognize, and I think Wyoming was largely undervalued for yeah. many a years. Yeah. Well, I'm going to break here if it's okay. Our guest today is Scott Hiddle with the Remax, the group in Casper, Wyoming, and this is Let's Talk Land. We'd like to thank our sponsors, LandHub.com. Are you looking to buy or sell land? LandHub.com previews thousands of properties nationwide. That's LandHub.com. And Acre Value, our sponsor today, is the only website I need to do to research land. 
So, Todd, let's talk about real estate in Wyoming. Let's discuss the what people need to understand about water rights in Wyoming. Ooh. Um, good question, Teresa. Um, you know, there's there's a number of basic uh, facts that I think people need to under, understand, you know, and, and how it relates to buying property. Um, probably the most simple is, is we under... We, we operate here on, in Wyoming under what uh, folks refer to as Spanish laws. So first in time, first in right. So uh, we have a Wyoming State Engineer's Office. They are the entity that uh, records, maintains, and uh, basically dictates, you know, how these water rights are, uh, um, are acknowledged. So uh, they, as a record keeper, you know, if, if you've got uh, an earlier water right and there's a water shortage, uh, your neighbor, they're going to drain their reservoir before they drain yours. Um, so knowing that hierarchy, just knowing a date is one thing, uh, but knowing how it's relevant to others um, in your in your basin uh, may mean uh, the difference between harvesting a crop uh, or a second or a third cutting um, or not. So very integral piece, you know, just that general wisdom of knowing um, where you stand, that hierarchy in your basin is, is really important. Now, I think what uh, a lot of other folks don't realize, our water rights, we have got two general categories. We've got our surface water rights and we've got groundwater rights. Uh, from time to time, those become interconnected. Uh, for instance, where someone has a water well uh, that they're pulling water up for livestock and then uh, it discharges, you know, it's running off of a solar and it discharges into a, a reservoir, um, whether it's a, you know, three quarters of an acre foot of water or 200 acre feet, uh, it now becomes a surface water right. Um, there's a lot of folks, believe it or not, even though they understand, you know, we're under the Spanish law, they fail to uh, check uh, and execute with the state engineer's office a $50 application fee to make sure that their water right is recognized. Um, or if it if it hadn't been already, it's $50, you know, to get that water right recorded. And again, it's right now, it's generally not something that's of, of great concern. You know, the last few years have been, uh, been relatively decent. You know, this past year, uh, maybe not so much for a good portion of the state, the western and the northern northern portions, but um, that water is is critical. And in Wyoming, there's a there's a great saying that I love: that whiskey's for drinking and, and water's for fighting. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, <laughs> it's it is terribly true. Um, and I just don't I don't believe I think people maybe take it for granted. You know that uh, there's a there's a reservoir there. It's it's been there forever. It's got to be good. You know, it it was there. You know, my grandfather remembers. You know, fishing out of this or duck hunting out of this reservoir 40, 50 years ago. Uh, don't take it for granted. Investigate. You know, make sure that that thing is in fact permitted, um, so that uh, you know they don't pull the plug on you. Is this in this part uh, of your due diligence process? It would be. Yeah. Um, and I know there's there's a lot of folks uh, that just don't. As a matter of fact, I've got landowners that you know I've I've helped a number of them acquire additional acreages adjoining to their ranch, and you know when I had originally looked at the parcels and brought it up to them, you know I had researched it already and and told them you know this is the situation you know you're going to want to get this application filled out as soon as possible. Um, they, I might as well have been, you know, speaking another language. They had no idea. And yet, I mean, they had been lifelong, you know, third, fourth, fifth generation Wyoming uh, residents and didn't know. Um, and these folks, if they aren't operating, you know, a couple hundred acres. You know, these are tens of thousands, hundreds of thousand acre operations. And so I've, as, an, as a, uh, you know, as an agent who's, grown wise over the years. I don't take it for granted anymore, you know, that uh, people should know this. I just uh, automatically by default just tell them this is what you need to do, send them the application uh, filled out. All they got to do is sign it, send in a $50 check. Um, but it's a, 
it's it's very important. And as I think the state progresses, you know, as we see more folks migrating here to the state, we're going to see a greater strain on those water resources. We're high desert here. You know, we see here in the Casper area 12, uh, 13 inches of precipitation annually. Uh, that's pretty dry. That's and, right. Uh, again, that's where that saying that the, you know, whiskeys for drinking, waters for fighting comes into into play. I mean, it's more important here, arguably in my in, in my belief, the petroleum. You know, we're a rich petroleum uh, exporter, natural gas exporter, but those resources will eventually, you know, dissipate. Um, the water hopefully will never go away, but um, it is for the long haul investor, um, and one that's again a, a a wise uh, investor who's, you know, making an acquisition, maybe it is for recreational purposes, um, but also, you know, it, it jumps over into this investment side. Those water resources are very critical uh, to the value of that operation. The better you've got, um, you know, the better the resale will be in the end. Todd, I was teaching, I had the privilege of teaching our Land 101 class, which I've been doing since it came out in 2003, in Gehring, Indiana. And, of course, we flew into Denver and took the little puddle jumper up to Gehring and taught the class and back. But uh, at the end of the second day, we were flying out the next morning. Uh, one of the students, I said, you know, I'd, I've never been in Wyoming. He said, well, hell, it's only 20 miles from here or something like that. <laughs> he said, let's go have some dinner and I'll run you over there. And... Uh, and we went over there, and one thing I noticed was uh, the wells were metered. Is that pretty consistent around the state? No. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I've never seen any metering on any wells in the state. Huh. Um, the southeastern part now, we've got moratoriums on well drilling right. uh, down there. And most of that, you know, the, the eastern third of the state roughly, particularly the uh, – I'd even – maybe even push it even over to the western or eastern quarter of the state, is our most uh, productive lands. I mean, we're not uh, comparable, our, you know, to uh, to Iowa, you know, black uh, soils and sandy right. homes that way. But um, certainly relative, you know, to the rest of the state, that eastern uh, third to a quarter is where our production happens. And um, they have a little bit better moisture over there than what we have here. Uh, but they still need, you know, to uh, apply extra water uh, to maximize their productions on those soils. And so they've, they've got a number of uh, circles, you know, pivots uh, over there that they irrigate, and a lot of those are not with surface water rights. Those are uh, principally, um, you know, ran off of uh, uh, wells, okay. you know, large capacity you know, uh, six, eight hundred, twelve hundred, fourteen hundred gallon a minute wells, and so it doesn't take too many of those uh, popped into the aquifer before um, they started realizing that they they were in fact you know uh, affecting uh, the water levels in uh, in that eastern part of the state. And when you talk about these water rights being equal, what are you talking about? What, is, what so, does equal mean, water rights? Something about a one-acre foot of water? Is that how you monitor this stuff or measure? It is, yeah. yeah. So, you know, in most of our water rights here, kind of the, the standard, if you will, uh, when we look at irrigated lands, uh, and this is, again, this is something that's uh, crop-specific, you know, and, um, you know, some crops require a lot more moisture uh, delivered to them than others. Um, but when we look at values of land, and again, you know, the values generally of, of just uh, water rights, we measure that by acre feet of water. Okay. And, and it's, a, it's kind of a, an unusual measurement when you think about it, what is an acre foot. It's 12 inches of water, uh, and it's basically uh, 12 inches deep over an entire acre of land. Right. That's one, that's one acre foot. Most of our grounds here, when we look at it, um, the standard would be is, is two acre feet is the allocation that you would hope to have uh, for the entire year. Um, that would give you basically freedoms to choose a lot of different uh, crops that you would want to uh, try to grow here. Okay. 
Now, we, we, we often see uh, a lot of folks valuing uh, irrigated lands equally. They look at it and say, hey, you know, I've got a, a 40 over here that's, you know, with a little uh, wiper on it. Um, that's just as good as your 40 over there. Uh, and they, they a lot of times will try to price them equally. And I think um, there's a lot of smaller uh, elements that are often overlooked that, in fact, uh, would say to the contrary, these are not equals. Um, you know, I look at uh, that, that quantity of water. A lot of folks will say, they'll instead of referring to the quantity that they have, they'll refer to as, I have 40 acres of irrigated lands right here. They may only have 40 acre feet of water to allocate towards that parcel, whereas the guy down the road has got a 40, but he has two acre feet of water uh, to apply to his his ground. Okay. Subtlety. I mean, and more more times than not, I do not see people recognizing that difference. Interesting. Uh, another one that you know we 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 see basically all types of irrigation uh, that you can imagine here. Everything from big guns, you know, pods, uh, flood irrigation, you know, uh, ditch, uh, other stuff ran through, uh, you know, through pipe uh, to alloc- you know, to distribute it to uh, to wipers and pivots, side rolls, um, you know, there's there's basically every single type that you can fathom here. Sub irrigation um, is another one that we see in a lot of our more mountainous situations, and again. Uh, folks, I think, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, you know what, I've, I've got 80, you know, acre feet of, of water over here and you've only got 40. Uh, that might be true. You might have twice as much water, but unfortunately the infrastructure you're using is it's, you know, the water is brought to you in a ditch that's unaligned. And so you're losing a bunch through evaporation, a bunch through the soil. Uh, and then when you're trying to deliver it, it's through flood irrigation. And maybe you corrugated your fields. Um, I bet you didn't. I don't see that happening very often here. Uh, but again, your distribution of water is terribly unequal to you know to the plants that are in that in that field. I'm betting you're probably only producing you know uh, two cuttings a year if you're lucky, uh, and you might be harvesting. Uh, you know, uh, a third uh, or a half of what I can produce off of my field, even though I have half the water you got. Um, there's, and there's, uh, obviously that equates to value in my mind. Right, of course uh, it would. I mean, it should, I would think. Yep. I certainly think it does. But it's, again, it's, it is uh, quite often overlooked. Uh, and, of course, the age of the water right, you know, that goes hand in hand. Uh, that reliability uh, we've got larger irrigation districts. Uh, for instance, the Casper Alcova Irrigation District, the Midvale uh, District out of uh, Riverton. These are coming from very large reservoir systems, um, and uh, and as you might expect, you know the area in which they drain. I mean, this is the water like here for Casper Alcova Irrigation District is actually coming out of northern Colorado, uh, and a lot of that water then southern. South Central Wyoming and, and Central Wyoming all drains into this, and then is uh, through the Kendrick project that was started in the early 1900s. Uh, now benefits you know uh, ranchers, farmers here you know in the Casper area, uh, and that water's pretty darn reliable. Matter of fact, uh, I think it basically I would say uh, you have a, a pretty solid expectation that if you have 40 acre feet of, of water rights. You're going to get that probably 49 out of 50 years, uh, very consistent. Now, if you were to uh, be irrigating off of uh, a smaller reservoir, uh, there's one in particular that I can think of that uh, uh, was with a client here that bought a ranch uh, southeast of town. Great, beautiful location, mountain setting. But if they don't see the snowpack, the area in which that thing drains, uh, it, it does not fill that reservoir as reliably. And so they have to take measures every year to evaluate how much water they got in that reservoir to how they're going to apply that to their fields. Mm-hmm. Todd, I'm going to hold you up uh, here, okay? This is Todd Kettle with Remax The Group. 
This is Let's Talk Land. We'd like to thank our sponsors, LandHub.com and AcreValue.com. Todd, I'm sitting here trying to wrap my head around all this because I can't. I just can't imagine not having water because we do take it for granted here, obviously. So all this stuff you're talking about, like who uses the water, who has, how is the priority established? Uh, how does it, how does it affect when you when your water is used? I mean, I'm just confused. Help. <laughs> yeah, unconfused, Teresa. Please. Yeah. Help. And understandably so, Teresa. I mean, it's uh, it's not something that necessarily makes sense to everybody because the way you had learned it from your state, um, it's just not the way it works here. You know, we, we, we established a different set of rules at a different time under different you know pretenses and thoughts. Uh, you know, so um, as you might expect, hunting regulations and fishing regulations differ from one state to the next too considerably. Um, you know, with our water rights. You know, we were talking earlier about how, um, you know, not one acre foot of water over here is, is equal to, you know, this acre foot over here. Um, when you apply for these water rights, whether it be a surface water right or a, a groundwater right, you actually, when you create this priority, when you submit that application, uh, you send it in and you have a permit. The water belongs to the state. Um, and for the next three years, you basically, under the good graces of the state, have a permit to use that water. And until that three-year time frame is, is uh, basically elapsed, the state might revoke your permit. Wow. Uh, at the, basically, what they're trying to, to give is an opportunity for your usage to affect other water rights around you. So it, uh, it may not have any effect, anything notable anyhow, but if in fact it does and it's detrimental, maybe uh, some of the folks downstream just weren't getting the water that they always used to, they can actually send objections to the state engineer's office and uh, the state might believe uh, or basically come to a decision that says uh, this isn't going to work. Um, there's not enough water, you know, in this, in this watershed or in this aquifer um, for you to also, you know, take your share. Um, but after that three-year period, this is a, a, another great example of just knowing how the system works. Uh, you would want to submit yet another application to the state to fully adjudicate your water rights. That basically solidifies you after that three-year time frame. Your water rights not going to be rescinded, uh, or your permit's not going to be rescinded because you now have established water right. It's tried and true. It's worked, um, and not that they still couldn't pull the plug on you if they needed water uh, in a particular year or two, but uh, it's, you know, your water right's there to stay. Um, but what's uh, another element here that uh, plays into this comes with, you know, what is the water, what are you using this water for? So when you send out your application to the state, uh, you basically have three options. Uh, one is irrigation. Uh, so I'm either going to use this groundwater for irrigating some land or I'm going to use it for uh, this reservoir for irrigating. Fantastic. Um, it's, a, it's a little more specialized use, of course, than drinking water. You know, it's for uh, domestic purposes would be the, the box that you would check on that application. Uh, real obvious, uh, believe it or not, there are some folks that use surface water. Uh, they purify it um, and bring it right inside of their house for drinking uh, because groundwater isn't accessible, you know, through traditional drilling means. Uh, it's just too deep or, it's, or water quality is just that poor wow. uh, within, you know, the first several hundred to maybe a thousand feet. Um, and then lastly, we have stock water. Uh, you know, so for livestock, um, you can check that box. You can check all three. That, of course, is a more marketable water right, uh, if you will, something that has uh, more options. Uh, and I think uh, very few people would argue with me that, you know, the more options you have, uh, the better off you'll be. I think there's a lot of people that buy tools. Um, Milwaukee Batteries, for instance, is a perfect example of where uh, they've got all kinds of uses that that uh, lithium battery can be put, you know, put onto, um, and they're more the happier. Question, Todd. Uh, obviously, this would be uh, part of your description and your uh, MLS and your advertising. 
Uh, would you talk about these types or specifics? And if uh, on your MLS criteria of searching land, are these, uh, are these uh, areas that you can uh, put in and search for property that has one or two or three of these uh, water rights? That's a fantastic question, Lou, and I'll tell you, more times than not, um, there's there's a handful of, of, of qualified agents out there that know these things. Uh, they'll have researched it, and they'll have this information readily available. Our MLSs generally don't account uh, for those kinds of uh, details. Okay. Uh, it's usually more uh, uh, basically how many acre feet. Uh, of water you have and how many acres you can actually irrigate. But at least they cover um, that, right? At least they cover sorry, that. Did. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I didn't hear you. Sorry. No, I said at least they covered at least they covered that, right? They just don't get into the nitty-gritty of it. Correct. Even though, you know, it's it's really interesting. I mean, those things all have significant uh, impact yeah, I'd on say. value. I'm just thinking Teresa yep. too. I mean, God, what's the value of this property? I think uh, you can you can split hairs here, can't you? You can, and it's it's not given uh, the recognition I often think it, it needs to. Um, you know, and it's again, um, it's that diversification. But as as far as you know, properties go, that investment potential. What you plan on doing with the property may be completely different uh, to the next person that wants to buy it, but. The more people that express interest in it, or it could, uh, it would be a match with. Uh, sounds to me like it's more marketable, and you should get, you know, a better return. Sure, because otherwise you might be finding a bird nest on the ground, uh, leaving money off the table. Uh, does your appraisers do, do the appraisers recognize this in terms of value? There's a handful that will. Okay. Um, again, you know, we've got different classes of appraisers here in the state. Um, our, our general appraisers are, are the ones that are uh, set up to basically do agricultural lands. Um, but, you know, more times than not, uh, we've got a lot of buyers that come in. There are no appraisals, you know, that are attached with these purchases. Sure. Um, Cash buyers. And so they may not, they may not recognize it. Um, you know, and we actually, you know, just a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago, uh, I sold a piece uh, of I would consider transitional lands on the western side of the of, of town, just outside, uh, several hundred acres. The reservoir uh, that was there, as a matter of fact, I didn't know there was a reservoir. When you looked at the um, satellite imagery, uh, there wasn't anything recognizable uh, from satellite. I put my feet on the ground, you know, on behalf of the seller. Uh, we took a look, and uh, I found what certainly appeared to be a uh, basically a big dam uh, that was there, a big berm, and immediately started, you know, calling in, come to find out uh, this was permit number 35 for the state of Wyoming. Wow. Um, it had been done, I think it was like 1896 was, yeah. I think, this water right handwritten, you know, water permit. Um, but, and it's it was... I think it was 70-some-odd acre feet of, of water rights. Pretty substantial, you know, uh, puddle of water that they had sitting there. But it checked all the boxes. It was, you know, good for irrigation, domestic water, uh, and also livestock. Um, we had an old water right. Matter of fact, this actually predating them, you know, if you were to go back to, you know, 36 prior to this, you would have gone into a territorial water right. Uh, but even these, when they hand wrote these out, uh, they talk about a point of distribution and a point of use uh, with these permits. And so they they tie the water right to a chunk of land where the water is actually being used. That's our contemporary today. That's what is the standard practice. Okay. Back then, in addition to our territorial water rights, they didn't do that. They did not tie the water right to uh, its application in a specific area. What this means is, is actually that water right is severable. You could actually sell it as a separate, uh, 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 I mean, basically it's, it's like a, it's a piece of paper, but uh, effectively that water could be 
distributed someplace completely different than what this property is, and it could be sold to someone downstream. So it's, uh, and, it, and of course, water and desert, you know, country is very valuable. And if it's something that can be moved, um, even better. I mean, if you didn't want it and you wanted to tie, you know, separate it from your actual surface rights, you could do that. Um, but the key here, there were two agents and two appraisers prior to me looking at it that had never saw this water right. That's why you're the best, Todd. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but um, I think it 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 really uh, it should ring bells with people that you know it's um, you you've got to turn over every leaf, uh, and that is just it's it's critical, you know, and and evaluating the the property as a whole. And there's so many little subtleties that go along with it. As long as you're happy with those things. Uh, fantastic. That should make a happy buyer, you know, lesser chance of buyer's remorse. Um, sometimes, though, folks may not have it, you know, it, it may be uh, irrelevant or they may not have something to uh, judge it against. And that's where hopefully they would end up, you know, putting some weight on the, you know, the thoughts and the uh, opinions of, of their agent. Speak, but speak, um, speaking without of- a doubt, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to be uh, discovered with every property. Absolutely. Speaking of values, what, how does hunting affect the uh, value of property in the Wyoming state? Ooh. You know, Lou, that's, a, that's another darn good question. So, you know, we generally think of Wyoming, you know, in the, as far as the property values go, uh, talking about what we'd say like the Wyoming Big Three, and that's our, our antelope, our deer, and our elk. Um, and the reason why I call those our Big Three isn't because they're our big game species. Uh, we've got, of course, more than that. Um, but with those three species in particular of big game, landowners can actually attain landowner tags for those three species. The others, um, we do not have a landowner's uh, tag program for. When you say tag, you're actually so, tag, tagging the, the uh, animal? So it's a, it's a guaranteed tag. So... If your land qualifies for landowner tags, uh, your property is then guaranteed two tags every year okay, for two. that species. Okay, yep. sort of like a fishing license or something. It's just called tags. Okay, gotcha. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, and, that, again, that's a nomenclature thing, uh, you know, from one place uh, to the next. But Sure. You know, the value of those three is inherently what's crucial. I mean, it's. You're, you're not going to get moose tags just because you have moose coming through your property all the time. That'd be fantastic, but we don't have enough of them, you know, to, to have such a program. Same goes for mountain goat and bighorn sheep. Um, that's just not going to work. But with those three species as their most abundant, you know, in our state, um, that is uh, very much so linked to the value of your real estate. And there's, there's three real simple criteria. I, maybe I shouldn't say simple, but it's, you know, in terms of speaking about them, it is. Uh, you got to have a minimum of 160 acres, okay. and it's got to be contiguous. Um, and that's a very easily quantifiable number, mm-hmm. uh, easily done by, you know, county records or through a survey. Uh, the second, you have to have an agricultural application to the land. So whether you're grazing some horses on uh, Honestly, I think if, if you were running some chickens, uh, you probably could get away with it. I don't know. They might shun you a little bit uh, or, or call that into question. But there inherently has to be a, an agricultural application because what the state is basically compensating you for is the forage that was uh, given to uh, the wildlife of the state, uh, and it was taken away from your livestock. So they're trying to give you something in exchange for feeding the wildlife. Uh, that's the, the basic premise of, of that program. Uh, the third uh, criteria, which is probably the most difficult, um, is you have to use or you have to have 2,000 animal use days of that particular species on your property. So uh, that could mean you have uh, 200 head of elk on your place for 10 days, uh, you might have, you know, a herd of a thousand that's on you for two days, or I think it's, uh, 
I think the math is like 5.6 animals, you know, for 365 days of the of the year. How, how, how do you? Um, I mean, you got to have aerial photography to do this. Who's counting these ooh. critters? <laughs> so uh, that's that's the harder part. So yeah, I'm ultimately, the, the regional game warden uh, that you've got, you know, for your district game warden, you've got for your area is, is the individual that you end up contacting. They come out. You have passive and active methods. Uh, the the active methods are, are the best ways, you know. So they're actually there. They you know can use uh, trail cameras. Uh, they can literally come out, do field observations. So if you, uh, for instance, had um, some sunflower fields, you know, and and you literally just kept on being coming inundated by antelope, you know, come harvest time, uh, a warden would come out. They'd choose a handful of days. It's a you know sampling strategy, but they come out, they count how many antelope they're they're seeing, and then they can extrapolate that um, to to see whether or not you meet the uh, the 2,000 animal use days. They have passive me- uh, passive methodologies as well, scat counts. Um, so they'll look at uh, you know what is uh, you know a, a, a more recent pile of poop right. uh, you know from from yeah. this year, and and they're very discernible. Uh, so they can come out and they can do that, and they have uh, basically they have equations as to how that translates to how much time, uh, based on how much area you've covered, uh, how many animals were there in order to produce that many piles. Hmm. All this makes so, sense, but so how does that how does that affect the value of a, of a competing tracks? Ah, okay. So now we're boiling it down to the ultimate question. So after all those things are met. Um, that value, of course, still lies in the eye of the beholder. It's not a whole lot different than what uh, someone with, uh, I, I think we often refer to it out here as blue sky value. It's the, the views that you you can enjoy from your property, um, whether you're looking at, you know, the Grand Tetons, for instance, is a classic example, or if you're looking at Devil's Tower, uh, or you have lake views, you know, of one of the large reservoirs. Those are all things that are difficult to measure. It's it's a it's a qualitative, not a quantitative measure. Um, but without a doubt, there is an increased value with any of those uh, type of, of views. Same holds true. You know, a hunter is inherently going to to value that property, one that comes with landowner tags, significantly more okay. uh, than what you know someone that uh, has no uh, interest in hunting. However, you know, we've got enough hunters throughout the country, throughout the world, uh, that we don't, we're not concerned about those folks that don't see the value in those landowner tags. And so uh, we could take a, a property, you know, if you just had antelope tags, and it's, uh, they're, they're fairly common in the state, but again, if you can demonstrate you have trophy antelope, you can easily charge a premium. You know, you can see anywhere from double to, uh, five or even, you know, potentially 10 times the value of, of other acreages that you would consider comparable that didn't have those hunting uh, benefits to them. Yeah. You know what I'd do, Teresa? Uh, I'd move all the envelopes, those trophy envelopes, over onto my property <laughs> and then put it up for And sale. you know what? There's a lot of folks in the Midwest, you know, QDM practices. Yeah. Yep. There's a, there's a lot of that stuff where uh, – Landowners are wise enough to realize that they can, with proper management of wildlife, uh, the habitat, without a doubt, uh, they can uh, significantly increase the values of their places. Encouraging migration. So they dress up like yes. a girl antelope yeah. and lure them yeah, in. Yeah, more cantaloupe. <laughs> <laughs> so with, with about 10 minutes left, I think, something like that, uh, can we move into what other things, because uh, this is real, real important stuff. It's really different yeah, than well, anything it, I've ever listened uh, to. Well, I mean, it's a very unique place, and uh, Todd's the right person to talk about it. What what issues do other buyers miss or, or misunderstand when they're trying to buy land in your beautiful state of Wyoming? Ooh, okay. Uh, you know, I think... Uh, one of the easiest things to look at is just water rights, mineral rights. We've covered a lot of the water rights, you know, yeah. um, as to how that plays into value already. Minerals, uh, it's really interesting. There's a lot of folks that believe, 
you know, when, whenever I see oil and gas, you know, uh, you know, prices go up and they start talking, uh, you know, how oh, they're going to be, you know, doing, you know, more oil exploration. You know, we, we've got a shortage. I will get phone calls. <clears throat> excuse me. I'll get phone calls from folks that are wanting to buy, you know, several hundred to a couple thousand acres. And they're looking for something that has all the mineral rights because uh, they believe, um, you know, an oil company is just going to come out and start popping holes. Uh, that would be amazing. But that, that thought happened, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, that uh, rush, if you will, uh, the black oil rush. There was a lot of folks that realized the, the values of, of having, you know, the land with the mineral rights. Now, if you look, uh, and, and don't don't quote me on this, but I think it's Minerals Act of 1914, and I think there was another one in 1917 that allowed uh, Congress to uh, reserve the mineral rights. So, as you looked as that push, you know, uh, onward, you know, towards the west, as we, you know, as we continue to settle, uh, you know, from the east coast towards the west coast. And we started to kind of really, I mean, they jumped right to California, but, you know, a lot of this didn't get settled here and, and homesteaded. Uh, a lot of it was the 20s and 30s and even the 40s. Uh, we didn't see, you know, homestead patents until after this act. And so when most of these parcels were actually homesteaded with that homestead patent, the, the feds, uh, our government, with actually withheld those mineral rights. And so the vast majority of the grounds we have here don't have mineral rights. And I think there's a lot of folks that uh, come with that expectation uh, that those are going to be there. But more maybe important is, is I think there's other folks that have no intention on it being an investment, but they come in and they hear about, you know, maybe some horror stories about how, you know, they bought this 40-acre this piece and the next thing you know they built their beautiful house. It was their dream home. And there's an oil derrick that just got drilled you know, right across the fence line, and now that's what they're staring at. There's a lot of things that have happened, you know, that uh, after a few of those instances um, rattled, you know, uh, the office doors of your state legislators. It only takes a couple, and um, there was quite the uproar. And so now from that permitting process, there's a lot of things that have to happen, you know, before those wells can get, uh, you know, sunk. Um, and so, you know, a buyer, um, I don't think has to have the same, uh, concerns. I still think they're, you know, from a fracking standpoint, we've got a town called Pavilion. Um, my understanding, uh, was, is that they did have, you know, some of that fracking, uh, that they took place over there. There were some mistakes, uh, and it caused some groundwater issues. Um, I, at least I, that's, uh, from what I could gather, that was, I mean, that's cause and effect right there. Yeah. Now, um, you know, again, technologies, you know, they get uh, ever so better with a lot of this stuff. Um, hand in hand with this is directional drilling. And they have one oil, oil pad, you know, one drill site, and they can cover 640 acres, you know, right. a square mile from one spot because they can start drilling, you know, horizontally you know, and, and radiate outwards. And so where our traditional means back in the 60s and such, you know, they had to sink all these little vertical wells and you might have them a couple hundred yards apart from one another and they were just all over the place. They no longer, you know, need to do things like that. In, um, in terms of land value, yeah. uh, power and utilities, drilling for water, physical, legal access, soil types maybe, and grazing limitations and hunting, what, what are those are the most important? In terms of value of land, availability of power is probably the the greatest limiting factor, I think, to a lot of stuff. Because I think people, uh, without it, you know, feel helpless. Uh, most, you know, we can't, of course, you know, secondary loan market, you know, they can't get, uh, you know, something that's got renewable energy on it, you know, uh, solar and, and wind uh, or generators. So they've got to be hooked to the grid. We don't have a lot of infrastructure in Wyoming, so. Uh, if you don't have access to uh, electricity within a half mile, uh, and it's pricey right now, I think we're running about $70,000 a mile to run okay. electricity. Um, and anything over uh, a half a mile, you now have a special assessment from the, the power company called a remote fee. 
and it's pricey. I think it jumps you up like a hundred or two hundred bucks and uh, or more per month on your electric bill. So power is a huge one. Natural gas, of course, if you're hooked into that or city water, that's a that's a heck of a luxury um, because you know drilling for water. You mentioned that that uh, is not just a sure bet. I mean, if you can drill for uh, water here or you can run to Vegas, you've got probably the same odds. Uh, maybe a little bit better because you can stack your deck a little bit uh, by talking to well drillers. Enough, there, there's enough folks that buy land here that never consult a, a well driller um, and end up regretting it. Um, I, it. It happens more times than not, and it's, yeah. it's sad to see. But there's no guarantee when you drill for water here. With about, um, hey, with about two minutes left, I'm going to switch gears just real quick. Because your family sure. owns uh, Diamond K Ranch, okay, which you can find on Facebook, right? Just Diamond, the word Diamond, the letter K, and Ranch. Just real quick about yep. a, mi- a minute's worth uh, of what you guys do there. So we love, uh, we, we basically raise natural uh, natural fed uh, beef, you know, both Angus and uh, Scottish Highlands. Uh, we love them. We've been doing it ever since, you know, we bought the place here. Uh, it's outstanding. It's it's just my wife and I and our two kids. You know, I wish this would have been some family legacy, but we started it, and so hopefully, um, it will be something that you know our kids will will pick up happily down the road. You know, from the the hunting aspect, you know, the deer and the antelope. Uh, we were outstanding antelope hunting. I just it's uh, it's uh, it's fish in a barrel. The the metaphor that I had used earlier with you guys uh, when we were just chatting off uh, off show. Um, but we've got record book antelope. You know, we've got, um, uh, from a neighbor was telling me, uh, just a handful of years back, the state record was actually taken uh, just off of our place, uh, about a mile to the north. Uh, we've now taken a couple of 80-inch antelope, which are just outstanding. I mean, that's, uh, that's a hard thing to do. That's once in a lifer right there for uh, the vast majority of folks. Um, and our deer, deer numbers out west in general, they fluctuated so badly over the last 10 years, uh, 20 years that uh, I'm not sure really what the the story will be for them. That that chapter uh, isn't finished yet with this down the downturn in numbers and, and quality. But uh, for quite some time we we had some fantastic deer, but just numbers are down. Okay, Todd, um, uh, how do they get in touch with you? You know, uh, right through Facebook is a fantastic way to reach out. Uh, you know, folks can, you know, call me, our, our phone number's on there, uh, email's on there as well. Uh, so we're, I mean, we're very accessible, easy folks to get along with, um, more times than not. I just, uh, you know, it's a DIY uh, hunt too. You know, I don't care to haul people around. I hope that they can go out there and, and make a story of their own and one that they can pat themselves on the back for. Okay. Hey, Todd, you've been a great guest today. Stay on uh, so we finish here. Thanks for joining us today. Let us know how you like the show. All of our questions and comments are welcome. This show is for the public and most importantly for real estate agents who do not have a source for land education. All of our shows may be found on our master website, www.letstalkland.net. That's .net. Also, you'll find us on Spotify and Podbean. Teresa, how do they get in touch with you? They can email me at teresa.mylandpro at gmail.com. What's your phone number? 336-209-2937. My email is Lou, L-O-U, at MyLandPro.com. My cell phone number is 336-669-1405. Our master website uh, for our company is MyLandPro.com. Hey, we'd like to thank our sponsors today, LandHub.com. Looking to buy or sell land, LandHub.com previews thousands of properties nationwide. That's LandHub.com. And AcreValue, if you want to know who owns the field down the road, or what it sold for last year. The best place to research land all for free is acrevalue.com. Ronnie, how do they get in touch with us here? Well, Lou, they can go to our website, go to wkte1090.com, and also they can download the simple radio app. Teresa, how simple is it? Easy. No, it's not easy. No, it's simple. It's simple. You're going to confuse yeah. them. Now they're going to go you to say simply, easy, easy. It's simply easy. No, that's not the app. <laughs> it's the simple radio app. Yeah, there we go. Now we got it. Now okay. we're on the right page now. All right, wow. She's got Christmas on her mind. That's what it is. Uh, 
and what type of music do we play at WKTE 1090 in King, North Carolina? Happy music. Beach and oldies, the only kind. It really makes you happy. It's, it does, It's what yeah. I grew up, golly. It's the best music ever recorded. Mm-hmm. All right, and we won some nice awards? Yes, eight years now. Oh, right. We how about that? Eight. Cool. Hey, how about that? Eight years in a row, being the top radio station, Beach and Oldies. Cool. Congratulations. You won a nice award. Yeah, the uh, Reader's Choice Announcer of the Year Award. Well, wonder why. Yes. Well, we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us.